Elisha is my master. I'm his attendant. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. And I have seen some incredible things, miraculous things that have taken place in and around Elisha's life. I have seen a a woman who uh, was unable to have children uh, come to Elisha and ask for a child. And Elisha blessed her and said, in a year's time, you will have a child. And a year later, this woman had a child. But when this child became sick, this woman came back to Elisha and pleaded with him to save him, to rescue him, to heal him. Uh, And this child had actually died. And Elisha came to this child and resurrected this child. I have seen uh, an axe head float in the water. An iron axe had float in the water when Elisha touched his staff to the water. I have seen uh, the captain of the Aramean army be healed from leprosy. I, I have seen where uh, the, the commander of the Isra- Israel army uh, knew the plans of the, the enemy army when the, the commander of that army, when the king of that army was making plans in their chamber. It's as if Elisha was in there and knew every plan that, that the, the commander wanted to do. Uh, I, I, I have seen where um, a, a widow's jar of oil never emptied. Never emptied. And even today, as this morning as I go out uh, to gather resources and supplies early in the morning, and I look up and I see the hills in the entire city surrounded by the enemy, and the, the army of the enemy, it's just surrounding the city, and I run back to Elisha, and I am terrified, I'm afraid. And I say, I, 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 tell, I tell Elisha, Lord, what will we do? And very calmly and very confidently, Elisha says, Do not fear, those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. And he prayed that God would open my eyes. And as he was praying, my eyes were opened and I looked up and I could see horses and chariots and they were uh, ablaze. They were uh, chariots of fire and they surrounded Elisha and they surrounded the enemy. And it was in that moment I knew, I am not alone. There is God is with us. Well, we so appreciate Elisha paying us a visit this morning. Friends, trust we have spared no expense but to get the actual characters in front of you and to share a little bit, although let's be reminded this was in fact Elisha's servant, but uh, he spent a lot of time around Elisha. And so we thank Pastor Devin for uh, sharing that with us today, giving us a little bit of a glimpse from the servant's point of view. Hey, it is so good to to see many of your familiar faces. Thanks for trusting us that this can be a safe space for us to continue worshiping together, and yet I know we're just in a very unique space uh, within our history right now. And so it is good to see you, and I have to say, I am super impressed. Now, I don't know how how our folks did online today, but I'm super impressed at your ability to just belt it out in worship, even with masks. And now I have to enter into the message time where all I can kind of tell of any response from you is kind of through your eyes or a nod. So just help me out as we go go along today. But uh, nice job in worshiping and maybe there is some great value in the anonymity of wearing a mask because even as scripture says make a joyful noise unto the Lord even our joyful noisemakers can feel comfortable because they can't be fully identified as to where that joyful noise right is coming from. 
come, but we, you know, it doesn't matter what we sound like when we worship. That, that comes from the heart. And so I can tell that, that your hearts are in this today. So today we do continue this Marvel's uh, teaching series out of the Old Testament that really is kind of spanning throughout this summertime and will take us, the plan is, into the, the first week. Well, we're not sure yet. We're going to see how long we, we go into this, at least through mid-August. And within this series, we are looking at how God performs extraordinary things through everyday people, through people like you and through people like me, even though sometimes we read about them in Scripture, we think, man, they had these great qualities. And I think what we're going to find out today in looking at the, the life of Elisha is that there are many of those qualities that God has called us to have as well. We also, within this series, are identifying the fact that God is looking more for people's or a person's availability than even his or her capability. So if you don't feel highly capable in the eyes of God, know that God is looking much more for your availability, for him to work through you, than necessarily this whole long list that would fall in that column of your capabilities. Two weeks ago, we saw how God worked through Moses in the account of the exodus out of Egypt and ultimately the crossing of the Red Sea. We saw how the Hebrew people were accustomed to slavery for they got out into the desert and some of them cried out, well, we want to go back to Egypt, Moses. Why did you bring us out to the desert to die? It points out for every one of us as human beings our tendency, our proneness, if you will, to slavery. To start looking at the things that we're enslaved to and think that maybe it's better to be enslaved to, than to really go through the work of liberation, to really go through the work of seeking freedom. The fact is, is that Moses and his leadership struggled. He was anything but, you know, just welcoming of God's call. In fact, he was rather reluctant. But what we see in Moses' life is the challenge for us a couple weeks ago to commit to the right things, done the right way, and at the right time. Last Sunday, of course, Pastor Devin taught on God's unlikely work through this prostitute named Rahab. Maybe you haven't looked at the fall of Jericho from quite that perspective, but Rahab was instrumental in aiding the Israelite people of overcoming Jericho, and as a result, she was grafted into the lineage of Jesus. We see it there in Matthew chapter 1. If you've ever wondered if God could use you even beyond your poor choices, we have no further to look, right, than the prostitute Rahab. God used that scarlet cord of Rahab to fulfill his calling on her to be a part of his purpose and his plan. The fact is, each of us can trust God's plan, even when we don't entirely understand the unfolding of that plan. Well, this morning we look further into the Old Testament to the prophet Elisha. And so with that, I want to just have us pause for a moment and pray as we get into this time. Father, we come to you today, God, in the midst of a very strange time within our world, even within our community and homes, and God, we just give you praise for you are still at work. 
God, when we may not fully understand the circumstances around us, which we certainly don't, we can trust, God, that while you have not created or caused them, that you are still very much at work in the midst of them. Lord, I pray that in our gathering here today, I pray for those joining us online virtually, that that we can be connected in this experience of community, God, that we can be encouraged by gathering together, by hearing what you would say from your word, by worshiping in this place. God, we honor you, and we thank you for this time. Thank you for each one who is with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I'm sure all of us have had or been in situations where we feel, or we might use the phrase, it was a tough act to follow, right? Think of a time maybe where for you, you were put in a position and you were thinking, man, that was a tough act to follow. I know I've encountered that, whether it be in ministry or in other kind of circumstances of leadership roles. I think of my role right now on the Warner Pacific University Board of Trustees down in Portland, my, for Lori and I, our alma mater. And I think I've served on that board for about the last eight years. And we've just recently gone through a change of president, our president, Andrea Cook, a very high-capacity, capable leader who really inspires me anytime I sit in the room with her, had elected for this last school year to be her last in that role. And uh, who would have ever known it would have unfolded the way it did, but we've just recently appointed a next president and a very capable man and his family coming from the East Coast to lead Warner Pacific University. But I know I, it's, I'm kind of left thinking, it's like I can't imagine Warner Pacific without Andrea Cook, our former president. She's been so invested. Her heart has been so true. She just gives hours and hours investing in students and in the leadership of that university. And I'm thinking, you know, for this, this new man taking the, the, the helm, it's, it's a tough act to follow. And some of us, and probably most of us, have been in those situations where we are following someone, whatever the case may be, leadership, or just maybe someone who's just spoken, you're thinking, oh my goodness, do I have to follow that? Well, for our character today, I'm sure many observers might have thought this. I mean, after all, Elisha had to follow the great prophet Elijah. And if you know anything about the story of Elijah, you know that here was this prophet called by God who went to King Ahab and said, you know, apart from my next word coming from God that there will be rain, there will be no rain in the land. And of course, interestingly enough, Elijah went to the Kareth Ravine and, and it was there that he had a similar experience with a widow and her son where the supplies to, to eat each day never ran out. They were replenished, much like the account that was told to us a, a short time ago. But Elijah was this great prophet. He went up against the 500 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. We kind of drove by in Israel off to the distance of the highway. They pointed out Mount Carmel, and it was just amazing to think that this is where the event with Elijah and the prophets of Baal took place as Elijah was instructed to build this altar and then just douse it with water, and God brought fire from heaven, and he consumed everything in that altar. Time and again, we find that God was working powerfully through Elijah. 
And I'm sure that many observers thought, well, man, Elisha has a tough act to follow. You want to know what the reality is? It's this, that Elisha actually performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. Not that that's the measuring stick, right? Not that that really is important for Elijah was just being obedient to the call of God. But so many see the greatness of this prophet Elijah, and I'm going to try not to transpose their names, right? Could, God, could you have given us a little different, you know, a little more variation? But Elisha had to follow Elisha. Many teachers and scholars have used words to describe Elisha like ridiculous and relentless to describe this faith that Elisha possessed. We're first introduced to Elisha in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19 and verse 19. The Lord had instructed Elijah to anoint Elisha. Everybody keeping this straight, right? He had instructed Elijah to anoint Elisha to ultimately su succeed him as the prophet for Israel. And what I want to suggest this morning and what I want to take some time to look at is some of the distinct qualities we see in Elisha leading up to our chosen marvel, if you will, of the morning. Described a little bit in that vignette we had a few minutes ago, but we're going to look at some of the qualities that Elisha exhibited, and we would do well, I would say, to take note of these qualities and consider how God might be leading us in a similar way. I love to hear the voices of the kids, right? I love to think, too, that I don't lose sleep at night. Great to see you guys back there. We just married off our, right, our oldest last Saturday. And I'm feeling a little old these days, but it's all good. It's all good. So let's consider, and if you're even taking notes today, you might note a few of these things down, and we encourage the same online this morning, even as you're probably managing your own families and household where you're watching today. The first is this, is that Elisha was focused in his call. Elisha was focused in his call. You see in 1 Kings 19, this in, in verse 19, it says that Elisha found, Elijah found Elisha plowing in the field and Elijah threw his cloak on Elisha and he ran off. Now I want us to just recognize on a surface level the first known record in Scripture of ancient tag, right? It's just kind of bizarre. Elijah goes and he throws, as a way of anointing Elisha, he throws his cloak on Elisha, and Elisha goes running after Elijah. It's just kind of a, a bizarre, funny account. You see, Elisha recognized this call upon his life. For in verse 21 there of 1 Kings 19, we find recorded that Elisha slaughtered his yoke of oxen, he burning that, the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people. I mean, how cool is that? Elisha throws his own farewell party, right, with the only assets that he, that he has. He believes so much in this call. He was so focused on this call that he burned up the plowing equipment, he grilled the meat, and he threw a barbecue for the community. I don't remember hearing of anyone else quite responding to a call like that, but there's no question that Elisha was focused on that call. You know, I wonder for us, 
how singularly focused you are, how singularly focused I am when it comes to God's calling, when it, when it comes to God's direction being clear in our lives. Is there such a laser focus that when others look at our lives, even if they're not coming from a perspective of faith, that it's clear to them this person is so focused on the call of God on their life that if they had a plow, they would burn it. If they had the yoke of oxen, they would slaughter it and they would throw a party for everyone, right? I wonder how singularly focused we are when God makes his calling and direction clear. But there's another important quality that we see in Elisha's life as we fast forward into the book of 2 Kings, and it's this, that Elisha was firm in his resolve. Elisha was firm in his resolve. We pick up the story in 2 Kings 2, and we're not taking time to read this whole expanse of Scripture today, but I want to encourage you, if you're not familiar with this story, to take time to read out of 1 and 2 Kings. 2 Kings 2, in chapter 2, it's become clear that Elijah, the former prophet, that his days are numbered. And so Elijah is moving, as we see, from place to place. He's going from Gilgal to uh, Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan. And all along here in 2 Kings 2, funny enough, he's got his kind of his apprentice, Elisha, in tow. And despite Elijah telling Elisha to remain put at each of those spots, Elisha was persistent, and even the company of prophets that were following along were saying to Elisha, do you know the Lord is going to take your master today? Can you imagine how annoying that is as Elijah is trying to convince Elisha, hey, at each one of these places I want you to stay and to kind of plant yourself here. And then you got this whole band of prophets who's reminding Elisha, hey, do you know that this is the last day you have with your master Elijah? Elisha was firm in his resolve. Elisha tells Elijah in 2 Kings 2.2, he says, As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. But Elisha's resolve grows even stronger when Elijah kind of finally asks, based on Elisha's persistence, Elijah asks him, he says, I mean, in essence, what do you want then? What do you want? Elisha makes his most bold request when in 2 Kings 2.9, he says to Elijah, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And so it was as Elijah was then taken up to heaven in a whirlwind, his cloak fell to the ground from him, and Elisha took that cloak that was on the ground, and he used it to strike the water of the Jordan. And Scripture says that the water divided as a result, and everyone who witnessed it exclaimed, the spirit of Elijah is now resting on Elisha. We got these two names clear. I've done pretty good, I think, thus far. The spirit of Elijah is now resting on the prophet Elisha. Well, as we reflected a little bit earlier, maybe, maybe not so much a tough act to follow when the Lord has clearly called you to move out in his purposes and in his ways. 
Make no mistake that Elisha was persistent. He was firm in his resolve. He wouldn't take no for an answer. And friends, I wonder that when it comes to you and and to me, how persistent, how firm are you in your resolve when you know it's God's will that is unfolding in your life? How persistent, how firm or focused are you When you know clearly that God has directed you in this, and I would suggest too then, is that also then clear to those around you? How persistent, how firm are you in your resolve when you know that it's God's will unfolding in front of you? As we continue in his story, we see a third thing in Elisha's life, and it's this, that Elisha was faith-filled in his service to God. Now note that I did not choose the term faithful. I think a better description is that Elisha was faith-filled. Everything he did was filled with faith in his service to God. It's now the account of the Aramean commander, Naaman, that's cited in 2 Kings 5, where Naaman was healed of leprosy. If you don't know this particular story in 2 Kings 5, you definitely want to make sure you read this account later because it's just a great account of how God was working through the prophet Elisha. Elisha heard of the king of, uh, the, the king of Aram. He heard of the king's despair over his commander of his army who had leprosy. And Elisha ultimately sent word to that commander. He says, well, he said, he sent word to the king, I'm sorry, and he said, have your commander come to me. So this all-important commander of this great army, Naaman, he came to where Elisha was at. And Elisha readily came out with pomp and circumstance and greeted him, right? No, he didn't at all. Elisha sends out his servant to the door to give the word. I mean, you gotta love that. This all-important man, I'm sure, in the pomp and circumstance of him arriving at Elisha's dwelling, here Elisha sends word out through his servant. Naaman was furious, but fortunately Naaman had his own servants who talked some sense into into him, and he said, well, if it would have been Elisha himself who had asked you to do this, you would have most certainly done it, right? But now you're all bent out of shape because he sent a servant to the door to command you to do this, to go to the Jordan River to wash, not five times, not six times, But for whatever reason, we see this in Scripture quite a bit, that seven times, what sometimes we joke about being the biblical number of Scripture, right? To wash seven times in the Jordan. And upon coming out of the water that seventh time, Naaman was freed of this leprosy on his body. It was a faith-filled Elisha who impressed a similar faith upon this afflicted man. Friends, I wonder for us that when you step out in faith, when you um, are faith-filled in your service to God, are others around you inspired to want to do the same? When you are faith-filled in your service to God, when you step out in faith, are others inspired to follow that example and think, well, you know, if this person can do this, that maybe in my small way, 
I can step out and be faith-filled in this journey that I'm in with God. So as we come upon God's marvel here in Scripture, I do want to point out, I don't want us to miss the, the seemingly important role of the servant, which also exposes another characteristic to point out in the prophet Elisha, and it's this, that Elisha was unflappable in the face of the enemy. He was unflappable in the face of the enemy. We find ourselves now in 2 Kings 6, when in verse 8, that the, the king of Aram, that he was being outwitted by the prophet, as was told a little earlier in, in this vignette, that it, that it was as if Elisha was in the room as the king was planning his strategy, but God was giving him that message and delivering it to the king of the Israelites. The king of Aram was so frustrated that he decided he was going to come up against Elisha and the Israelite people. And so he surrounded this, this city of Dothan early the next morning. Notice the role of the servant. Elisha's servant goes out. He arose early, it says, only to find that in, in all of the space surrounding Dothan, were these horses and these chariots of the Aramean army. Elisha told his servant, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I mean, if you can't just sit on one statement, right? In this passage, it's that. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed for his, the servant's eyes to be open. And it says that as the servant's eyes were open, that he saw in the hills all around that army, all around Dothan, that in those hills were the horses and the chariots of fire. This was God's army surrounding the army that was surrounding the Israelite people. You kind of get a picture, don't you, of some epic movie battle scene, right? Whether it's Chronicles of Narnia, whether it's Lord of the Rings or something else, where it seems certain that death has come upon this group who is surrounded, but then all of the sudden, out of the hills and the trees, right? In, Nar in the Chronicles of Narnia, it was the actual trees that came out against the enemy army, right? Just, just picture what it was like for the servant of Elisha to look out and to see this surrounding army of horses and chariots and fire. The fact is, is that Elisha is unflappable through it all. The very definition of, unflapp of unflappable, having or showing calmness in a crisis. Friends, I wonder for us, in the midst of the circumstances and the crisis that we find ourselves in right now. Are we unflappable, knowing that ultimately everything is in God's hands? Consider our current days. What are others observing in you? Are they observing simply a response of fear and I don't know what I'm going to do? Or is there a sense of calm is there a sense of, of just that, that, you know, that there's going, things are going to be okay, even when I don't really understand all that's going on around me? Friends, when it comes to spiritual things and how God's, God works, I think it's safe to say there is more than meets the eye, right? 
There is more than meets the eye. I mean, don't miss God's marvel in this. God was winning a great spiritual battle. And you got to love the storyline that unfolds for this Aramean army because, you know, the king of Israel had wondered, should we just slaughter them all and just, you know, rid, rid the earth of this Aramean army? But he was not instructed to do that. Elisha gave him the instruction that, you know, first of all, the Aramean army was blinded. But what I love about this storyline is from the enemy being blinded to being served a banquet from blinded to banquet and then sent on their way and they never bothered the Israelites again. Know this, that as was the case with Elisha, so too it is with us, that your prayers are far more powerful than you know. Hear that again. Your prayers are far more powerful than you know. Let me ask today, are you facing a battle yourself. Are you facing a battle? When you have every reason to be fearful, let me leave you with a couple thoughts. Know that, number one, you are not alone in your battles. You're not alone in your battles. We know that Ephesians 6:10 and following, talking about the armor of God, says that the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's about powers and principalities and the evil realms of this world. That it is a spiritual battle. You're not alone in your battles. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and following, Paul reminds us that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Rather, they have power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. When you have every reason to be fearful, know that you are not alone in your battles. And then secondly, when you have every reason to be fearful, know that God is surrounding what's surrounding you. God is surrounding, right? What is surrounding you? We're going to share a song in our response time today that says it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded, God, by you. If you have reason to be fearful today, and we have much, right? If you have reason to be anxious, know that whatever you feel backed into a corner by or surrounded by, that God is surrounding what's surrounding you. The Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, and I want to invite the worship team if they'll come back out, that in Isaiah 41.10, the Lord's words through the prophet Isaiah to his people. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. With my righteous right hand. Friends, when you are, have a tendency to be fearful... Know that you are not alone in your battles and God's surrounding what's surrounding you. This is how we fight our battles. Amen? Might we find encouraged today in the life of Elisha. I want to lead us in prayer. 
and then want to give you a, a chance to respond as you would like. Of course, you know we have our response stations coming to an altar of prayer. We can do this safely with social spacing as well. So I just want you to feel the freedom to move if you would like or just to respond, whether in a prayer, whether maybe in bringing the light of Christ into some dark places. But let's honor him in this time, and then I'll come back up and close us. Will you pray with me? Father, just thank you for this time together, God. Thank you for just being over all that is going on in our lives and knowing that, God, you're surrounding anything and everything that is surrounding us. We're not alone in our battles. May we not be people of fear, but may we be faith-filled. May we be focused. May we be firm in our resolve. God, may we be unflappable in the face of the enemy, we pray. In Jesus' name.